When you think of a headlining luxury travel DJ, you think of Brian B. B. Champagne sipping, caviar eating, Maserati driving. Oh, wait. I think we've got the wrong show. This is the Travel DJ Blinn. Headlining luxury travel DJ, Brian B. out of New York City, giving you travel tips, DJ experience, interviews with event and entrepreneur pros, and discussing pop culture and music. The perfect bling. The perfect bling. This is the Travel DJ Blinn. And this is Brian B. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Travel DJ Blend. And today, my co-host, you've heard him before, all the way from Pittsburgh, PA, Digital Dave. What's up, man? What's up? How are you? Good, man. So one of the things I love about you, Dave, is that I feel like we're not one-trick ponies. I think we have so much experience in different things from what you got your degree in to running nightclubs and playing private events and doing all those things. I guess the point I'm trying to make, there's not many people that you just know you can talk to just about anything. So when we were on the phone the other day, you called just to kind of check in and see how my first event back was. And yeah, this was my first event during COVID while we're still in the midst of this. And as we were discussing it, I kind of just brought up something that was related to the event. You know, I did this event where there was a huge attendance count. It was supposed to be 800 people dropped to 742 officially, and then it went down to 600. I should probably preface this and say that this was in Birmingham, Alabama, where the laws state that if you're having a, an event, all the people working the event are required to wear masks and social distancing are the two requirements. And where there's a gray in this is that this was at a private residence, not a public space that's an event space or anything like that. So that's kind of where it gets a little bit gray. So anyway, this is like a huge build. I mean, this is on private property. It was 12 days, I believe, of building this thing. So this wasn't like just a small, hey, let's put up a little tent here. I mean, they were literally building structures. And so I was getting tagged from the planner on various uh, posts just relating to the build. And as it was getting posted, I was reposting it as I was getting tagged. And man, the comments were coming in fast and furious of like, what are you doing? What is this event that you have going on? This looks huge. Is this in compliance? And why are you doing this? And all these kinds of things. And it got me thinking about how cancel culture has kind of permeated into the DJ and event industry, which I never thought that would ever be the case to the level that it is. I had always thought of cancel culture as kind of rooted in topics that are affecting everyone, such as racism. You know, obviously that's a big one or sexuality. There's a bunch of different ways that cancel culture can kind of permeate. And what's interesting is now it's kind of evaded into the event industry, I believe, because there was all kinds of opinions, I'll just put it that way, as to what people thought about this. So I thought it would be a good discussion. You coming from the nightclub background, I know you've done some events both in the nightlife and in private event space. I think it's one of those things where we're all going to have to kind of see how we address this because I don't think this is going away anytime soon. And I just wanted to kind of preface this discussion with that. And we've titled this, How Do We Handle Cancel Culture in the DJ and Event Industry? So let me open the floor to you and just kind of hear some opening thoughts and then we can kind of dive into it a little bit more. Yeah. So it was uh, interesting that you uh, brought this up because I told you when you did bring it up that I've done, I believe the official number is five events since, you know, COVID started. They were all between late June and early July. Three of them were bar nightclub type events. And then two of them were private events. The um, private events were 
very small events. They were, they were both at house parties and, uh, you know, it was mostly people that knew one another, family, etc. And the nightclub events did all enforce, which PA has uh, 40%, 50%. It's very back and forth as far as capacity goes. So the nightclubs did enforce their the capacity rule. They tried to enforce best that they could the social distancing rules, but, you know, those were not always followed by customers. And that's not just a nightclub specific thing. I mean, I've seen it pictures from amusement parks where people didn't follow social distancing that, that are open now. So it's definitely um, something that, that people, once they go out, tend to ignore. So, you know, the, the venues that I worked at and the planners that I work with, they set everything up to be in compliance with our PA state laws at the time. You know, some of the patrons at the event may have not fully complied but the actual venues and planners themselves did comply. The greater point that I'm getting to is that I chose when I was doing these events, nightclub events, I posted absolutely nothing whatsoever on Instagram. I didn't post that I was working there. I didn't post videos, pictures, whatever from the night while I was there. And the private events, I believe I posted a couple of stills of the setups because they were uh, with a local planner, uh, Shayla Hawkins Events, and uh, Alexis from there, who I've worked with many times. And uh, they, they were really cool events. They were house parties, but they were set up very nice. And so I did post some some pictures of the setups, but I really didn't post you know videos of the actual party because of kind of what happened to you. I kind of saw that coming down the road and was like, I don't want to enter this space where it's even a possibility that that happens and someone jumps on me or someone takes a screenshot and next thing you know, it ends up on the news because, you know, we've seen that a few times from parties recently across the country where, you know, a party made it on the news for there not being social distancing and being too many people together. But the other thing that I did want to note, and I was thinking of this just as you were doing your intro and setting up this conversation is to me, I think the first time cancel culture started to enter the DJ world was with the uh, Michael Jackson and R. Kelly thing, you know, a year or two ago. I can remember specifically, and I kind of backed off R. Kelly. Um, and the only song I really played of his at that point was Ignition Remix anyways. But uh, I didn't really back off Michael Jackson. Uh, I've watched a lot of the, the backstory on, on the Michael Jackson situation and and not only was he never convicted, but I, I don't see, uh, you know, proof that, you know, like in the OJ situation where, oh, this, this guy was guilty and got off. You know, I really think whether Michael Jackson, I'm not, and I'm not saying he's innocent either, but I think it's a gray area. And I think people, and also he's deceased, so he's not financially benefiting from you playing his songs anymore. I really think the kind of short-term boycott, which eventually went away on Michael Jackson, was really unnecessary. But I can remember several situations where I played Michael Jackson and I got a really negative remark from either an employee or a customer, kind of like a incredulous, how could you do that type remark, which... Uh, surprised me, but that to me was the first time that I saw cancel culture start to permeate into the DJ world. You know, I totally forgot about those two instances. I can remember doing literally two podcast episodes on each of those artists when those things happened because they each had varying degrees of what do you think about this and should we be playing them? And all of a sudden, you know, you're labeled for taking a certain stance when it comes to that. And I think cancel culture in general, what it basically is saying is like, listen, 
I am not going to allow civil discourse to happen. My opinion is right. Yours is wrong. And I'm literally going to eviscerate you for having the opinion that you do. And my thing is, where did that get lost in the course of everyday life? When, when do we not allow people to have those opinions and allow them to agree to disagree, if you will? I feel like that's where we got to start. We've got to be able to have some type of baseline where we go, okay, hey, this is the baseline of what we can all agree to whatever that may be. I was in a coaching group that I'm in on Thursdays. It's called the BBC. And we were talking about this because I literally brought it up on the day that I got kind of hit on the head over this with these posts. And the guy who leads the call, his name's Sean Lowe. He um, mentioned to me, he's like, hey, do you remember the seatbelt law stuff back in the day? And you know, I was a kid when that all kind of came into play. It was 1984. But I remember my dad having a pickup truck and I don't know if you remember this back then or if it still even happens, but my dad put a topper on the top of this truck. And then inside there were these cushions that he would put in the back of the pickup truck where they were mainly like for storing things. But we were so small that we could literally fit in these, these little compartments and we would hide in there. We would actually build a fort and put some of the stuff, the toppers on top of us. And I mean, if he would have gotten in a car accident or hit a, you know, a turn real quickly, I mean, we would have had a cracked skull, right? But you know, the seatbelt law came out and said, hey, listen, we think that this is the best safety mechanism we can have, and we're going to enforce this. And for, I think it was five years from 1984 to 1989, the average percentage of people wearing seatbelts was 15% until 1989, where it finally went up. And I don't know if it just took that long to get there. But all I'm saying is, is we have to operate with the best possible information we have. And sometimes we don't allow that to happen. We just like are so staunch with our convictions that we're not willing to say, hey, listen, let's come up with this baseline of what we can all believe that the best information we have to date and let's go with it and see if we can get there. And I would like to challenge our industry to do that because I feel like we can't even agree on like what the baseline is going to this private event. We can't even get guests and staff on the same page to this point of like just wearing a mask. It's crazy. I just feel like that's the place where we got to start to kind of eradicate this cancel culture. I mean, what are your thoughts there? Do you think that there's a way that that could ever go away or are we stuck with this? Uh, I mean, I hope that there's a way that it could go away, but I can't say that I have the the highest of hopes for that. I completely agree with everything you said. I think the first thing to really realize and look at, and hopefully more people can realize this with the concept of cancel culture is that cancel culture expects everyone to be perfect, which I mean, I feel like everyone knows as a kid, you're told, you know, everybody can't be perfect all the time. I mean, even the best athletes in the world, Tiger Woods does not win every golf tournament he's in. Tom Brady does not win every game that he plays. You know, it's just this expectation of perfection but the the thing is oftentimes the people that are canceling others don't expect perfection from themselves they just expect perfection from everyone else so i feel like it's a a very I guess, self-centered mindset, the, the cancel culture. I feel like when it started, there was situations like, oh, okay, with, you know, Harvey Weinstein and stuff like that, there's, there's legitimacy there. This person's a horrible person. But then it just, it's like, it gets slowly like backed off and okay, you know, it's no more about physically doing something. It's no, not we're canceling someone because they did something bad. 
it's gotten to the point where someone, I'm kind of not even going to say said something bad. It's going to be someone said something you didn't even agree with and right. we're canceling them. And that's the extreme that has got to. And I feel like it's gotten to that extreme really quickly. I feel like even three, four years ago, it wasn't near where we are now. And it's just blown up. And uh, I just think it's absolutely out of control. I have a, a friend who's a, a very big supporter of, of Black Lives Matter, but also her husband is a police officer. And she's like, I can't even like vocally support my husband or post a picture of us with him in his uniform on social media without people attacking me, even though I support Black Lives Matter because my husband is a police officer. It's reached that level of insanity and it's kind of maddening. And I've always seen myself and, and I kind of feel like you're in the same boat as me as a, as a kind of moderate, you know, yes. middle of the road person. And, and I have some beliefs that would be more in line with the beliefs of the Democratic Party. And I have some beliefs that would be more in line with the beliefs of the Republican Party. And that's sadly seems to be not acceptable anymore. Ironically, I feel like that's where most of this country is, though. I feel like most of the country is somewhere in the middle, but I feel like it's not acceptable to be in the middle anymore, which is crazy to me. Right. I think there has to come a place where we can relate to one another. As an example, let's talk about COVID specifically. New York City, we're, we're past the hurricane, right? Like we, we did what we needed to do to kind of stop this thing. Has it completely been eradicated? No, but we're in a much better place. It's like the hurricane that's at someone's door and they see it completely different than we see it. We don't want to go back to that place. And yet we can start having some of those freedoms, if you will, because we've done the work. But those in states where this thing's just taking off, they can't relate to us having those freedoms now because of the fact that they haven't done the work and the, and the hurricane's literally at their door. I guess the question becomes, how do you relate to someone who's not there anymore? To be honest with you, Dave, I, I really don't have the answers here. I'm more just posing questions to kind of like see if we can at least start to like chip away at this a little bit. I think it's a mindset issue. And I was watching a, a comedian who's I've only come across him recently, but his name's Andrew Schultz. I love a lot of the work he does. And, and I consider him kind of very intuitive as far as what's going on present day. I also consider him very middle of the road as an ideologue. But you know, one thing he said that I listened to the other day in, in one of his uh, comedy skits is that at this point, people that are worried about, I'm not even going to go there with the mask, but, but the people that are upset about like businesses closing and not being able to go to the park and play with their kids, you know, he said those people are worried about their civil liberties being taken away. And the people that are worried about the mask and keeping things closed, those people are worried about everyone's health. And both your civil liberties and your health are both very important. It's not that one's important and the other's not. They're both very important. And I think that's what a lot of people are, are, are losing sight of. I know a lot of people want to get back to work because there are states like Pennsylvania where there are still 90,000 people that have applied for unemployment that have not seen a penny yet from the government. And so some people might rather stay home and collect unemployment, but are willing to risk their health because their family doesn't have any money to pay their bills and the unemployment system they set up is failing. And so some people... You know, I, I would include myself in this if, you know, everything was hunky-dory and, and happening the way that it was supposed to be happening with, uh, you know, the relief that the government is supposed to be giving us, I would be fine with staying home a little longer. But 
things are not working out the way the government is saying they're supposed to work out. So I'm kind of like, well, you know, if I can work in a, in a legal capacity, I, I kind of need to. But really, I think that it's a mindset thing. And, and, you know, I go back to, I wrote a Facebook post that this was God in early or COVID when things weren't even near as bad as they are now. And I wrote a Facebook post and I said, this was not the way that America acted after 9-11. And I was 22, uh, actually about to turn 22. I was 21 when 9-11 happened. And I can very much still remember the kind of, you know, didn't matter what political party you were, everyone kind of banding together and, and, and helping pick each other up and, and helping support each other. And I feel like there's not that, like in this scenario here if you don't agree with someone say say there's a person that's an anti-masker and you you know are a very staunch supporter wearing masks instead of approaching that other person with i guess love or caring and saying hey look you know I care about you. I think you should wear this mask because it, it could affect your health. People approach that person, you know, with hate and vitriol. And I think that, that that's the issue now is that, you know, if we disagree with another person, it's fine, but it's how we approach that disagreement or it's not the even, I want this because I care about you. It's just, if you don't disagree with me, you're wrong, you're careless, you're reckless, and I hate you. And that's really where things have gone and I don't think that's good for for anybody it's almost like you know if I feel panicked I need everyone else to feel the same or vice versa right you know complete unity isn't going to happen no matter where we go with this and I think really where this comes down to is that we have to be okay as a society to live with the tension that hey there are going to be sides that aren't going to agree and there are going to be sides that do agree and being okay with that but as an industry saying, hey, listen, this is the baseline. Like, this is what we can all agree on to say that this is where the comfort level is to do an event. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like industry-wide, all DJs have to feel this way. And I'll use the private event context because that's where I pretty much play in that space. For every vendor that's going to work here for this particular event, we all need to come to a place where, hey, this is what we're going to accept. This is what we're agreeing to. And you got to get some buy-in with everybody that's going to be involved with that. And I think at the very least, we could start there. What are your thoughts there? Do you agree with that? Do you think that that's a, a place that we could at least you know, start or is this just impossible? I mean, I think that's a place we should start, but I, I you know, whether we can start on there would, would involve people changing their mindsets. Now, I will say this, um, there, there's definitely been the two events I did both at a planner, as I said, and there was definitely been good communication in advance of the event about, you know, mask and setup and, and things like that. And I'm sure you had similar with your event. So I think that it is, you know, when you're dealing with a planner, that's a good thing. Now, you know, when you have events, most events that I do and you do both do have a planner, but there are a lot of weddings, I'm sure more out there without planners where you might have you know, six, seven, eight vendors involved. And there's not a central person coordinating those six, seven or eight vendors. And, you know, everybody's potentially coming in on their own page. So that could create issues without that central point of communication that the planner is. I was also thinking about the fact that you sent me a video last night and uh, from a planner who was basically telling her couples to, to postpone everything till 2022. And, and, this planner sounded like, for the most part, 
Uh, she didn't feel like comfortable with doing any event until there was a vaccine. The tricky thing about a vaccine is I've heard several places that antibodies of COVID only stay in your body for up to two months. So we don't even know if a vaccine is going to be able to work long term. There's on the good side, though, there's uh, signs that COVID is weakening. And I've seen that from several reputable medical, you know, studies, hospitals, etc., that the disease is weakening, which would be a positive. And so it's just really going to be a lot of play it by ear and see where things go. Um, you know, definitely you, uh, my advice would be, you know, don't do anything you're not comfortable with, but if someone else is comfortable with something and, and they're following their government's regulations and rules, don't attack them for, you know, doing what they're doing as long as it's within the state's rules and the state's regulations for their state. I, I really think you have to kind of, you know, not cancel someone because they're doing an event that they're legally allowed to do and they feel safe or they don't feel in danger doing that event. Uh, one last thing I wanted to address is that I have a bride who's wedding is this fall and, and these are tricky situations where she has a father who has cancer and uh the the you know cancer is in an advanced stage and so she's in the position where i believe what they're going to do is they're going to have a smaller ceremony in the fall and then they're going to have a bigger party reception next year is what their current plans are they haven't locked in a date for the new reception but it's this catch 22 of, you know, on one hand, she's like, even if I can, I don't want to have a big reception because of my father's cancer and risk that he would get COVID. On the other hand, she's like, because my father has advanced cancer, I want him to see us get married. So she's like, but I do want to do something because then if tragically he wouldn't make it another year, she's like, I don't want him to not see our wedding. So there's kind of two sides to every coin there. And it's just tricky. But I just think the best thing is for more people to have civil discourse versus just the attacks that I feel like happen anymore. To be honest with you, the reason why I was posting anything about my event had nothing to do with like, hey guys, I get to work an event. I mean, there was a little bit of excitement there for sure to get back to it a little bit, but I was more wanting to post because I thought I'd come up with some pretty unique ways to safely do an event, let's say, of things that hadn't been talked about. And that was what I was wanting to be able to post at some point was those kinds of things. And I think it comes down to, hey, have I or anybody that you may have a disagreement with given you reason to not believe the best in them? And if they have, well, then maybe that needs to be somebody you probably shouldn't be following anyway. But if there's somebody who has consistently not rocked the boat, always been above reproach or whatever, I think you owe it to them to give them the benefit of the doubt, just like you would want them to give you the benefit of the doubt if you're posting something. And we're just so quick to make these judgments just for whatever reason. And I think, again, it just has to be this tension that we're going to have to live in that, hey, uh, I have this viewpoint, you have this viewpoint, and it's okay that we can disagree. Hey, DJs, real quick, Brian B. here with a tip. One of the hottest DJ music pools right now is Heavy Hits. Are you familiar with it? You need to be. They cover literally every genre. 
from top 40 to hip hop to Latin to Afrobeats and more. Not only that, but their curated playlists and charts, including trending Spotify and TikTok tracks, are second to none. The interface is easy to use, and they have a ton of exclusive edits, which I use on the regular. But you want to know the best part? For my podcast listeners, I have a special promo code that will give you a 30-day trial for $5. Yep, you heard that right, $5. Go to heavyhits.com and enter the promo code BRIANB. That's heavyhits.com, and the promo code is BRIANB, all one word, no spaces. Take advantage of this right now and up your music game today. I guess where I wanted to go with this next, you kind of slightly mentioned it about you know publicly promoting events. Assuming that this earliest we'd probably see a vaccine widely distributed would probably be, get, be the beginning of the year. So what does this mean for publicly promoting events and you know putting things out there? Are we going to have to just kind of hold on to things? Because I'll be honest with you, the event that I did, I don't want to say it's the pinnacle of my career by any stretch, but this was by far the biggest event that I had done. I'd worked really hard to get this kind of an event. I felt I could safely execute it. I was doing it legally, which I think is another point too. I, I don't want to gloss over it. It's one thing if you're doing something illegally and totally going against the regulations and the law, if you will. That, I have no problem calling that out. But when you are operating within the regulations and the way things are supposed to be done, you know, it becomes a personal choice at that point. And for me, I was like, I had worked so hard to get this event. I felt like it safely executed, not only with my own health, but with everybody else's health. And again, there's no guarantees. I mean, there's no guarantee that a mask is going to stop anything. I mean, it's will help, no doubt. I mean, there's definitely science behind that. But I mean, if someone operated perfectly and yet 10 people caught it, then what? You know what I mean? Like people are still going to judge that and you have to be almost okay with it. So I'm wondering where we go with the promoting events here on social and we have to hold on to things for a year before we can put anything out and it just becomes under radar. I feel like it's just, it's not truthful. It's almost like it's a, it's a cop out if you do kind of put it under the rug. What are your thoughts there? I agree with what you're saying, but on the other hand, I have thus far been kind of, you know, I guess keeping my events, uh, you know, under the rug or, or playing my cards close to my chest. I mean, I really have not felt comfortable with posting anything, even when I've been working at either venues or actual events where the uh, event professionals involved have been following the rules. I still haven't felt comfortable posting because of the fear of happening to me. What uh, what happened to you? I feel like it's it's sad, but I feel like posting a picture or a video of event now has almost equated to, you know, having Career a political suicide. opinion, you right. know, right. And, and right before we jumped on here, I posted uh, a image of uh, FDR and his uh, quote, there's nothing to fear except fear itself. And it, it really resonated with me because I feel like everything right now that's negative is, is coming out of fear. People are scared the, the people that are, you know, against these events uh, are, are scared that someone's going to get sick, whether even if they're not involved in the event and even if they're just watching from afar, they're scared someone's going to get sick. They're scared someone is going to die. And that's a legitimate fear. Um, and, the, and the people that, you know, want to have these events, uh, you know, they might be afraid of their civil liberties being taken away. They might be afraid of, of, other things that, you know, what if I can't have this event this year, it might, you know, not work out next year. Who knows how long this is going to, to go on for, um, you know, people that are working these events, 
might have a fear of not having enough money to pay their bills, what, you know, the, the vendors involved, you know, you have the, the situation even with Black Lives Matter and you, you have people that are out there marching and, and they're genuinely fearful of the police. Uh, and then you have people that are fearful of the, the rioters, you know, which, you know, some of the protests have been peaceful and some have, have been not. And so it's sad, but I feel like so much of this negativity and so much of this vitriol toward one another is coming from from fear. You have to be careful not to completely buy into all of the hysteria, right? Because if you look at the AIDS crisis back in the day, there was, I don't know if you remember this, but early on, there was this prevalent thought from the scientific community that you could catch AIDS by sitting on the toilet seat for a long time. I don't know the exact length of time, so I don't want to misquote it here, but women couldn't use the toilets in public places because there was fear that this was going to happen. And ironically, the guy who put out that guidance and then retracted it later when they realized that this wasn't the case was the doctors in charge of what's happening with COVID at this point. So, I mean, obviously you have to go with the best information you have at this point, but just know that, you know, these things kind of can evolve and, and eventually, you know, you can kind of get to the place where we all are at the same spot, you know? So an interesting thought, and I don't know, you might've not made a decision on this yet, or an interesting question, should I say, is moving forward after what happened with the stories that you posted or reposted from this event and all of the negative attention that you got back from, you know, on social media is, do you have a plan right now moving forward as far as what you plan to do the next time you do event? Are you going to post about it? Are you going to not post about it? Are you not sure yet? You know, when I brought it up to this this group that I'm in, this BBC collective, the guy who runs it was like, man, I would advise you to hold back. This is too hot of an issue right now to post anything. And people aren't going to get it in a 15-second Instagram story. They don't have the context. And you need to be able to give them context. On the other hand, I had, you know, Andrea Apolito, as we both know, I'm out of Vegas. She's in this group as well. And she was like, you need to put this out there because you could help so many people who are on the fence whether or not to even do an event with the way that your protocols are coming into place. And so I ended up posting things related to the event, but without the dance floor. Once they got to the dance floor, those masks were gone at that point. So to answer your question, I think I would still want to post some things from some events and say, hey, this is some things I'm learning along the way to educate because I feel like I'm in a place of influence, if you will. In fact, one of the positive comments I got, he said this, seriously, thanks for being a leader in the industry and wearing a mask when you were out of the house. It really influences a lot of DJs out there. Maybe that's just the New Yorker in me now that, you know, have seen that be the way that it's been. I'm not taking any chances, mainly because of my own health. You know, I hate to be selfish here, but, you know, I have a newborn at home and my family got to come first. And so I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, be safe. So again, to kind of summarize here, I'm going to continue posting lightly of these events. But when it comes to a place that I think would be completely out of character and something I'm not comfortable with posting, I'm probably not going to do it. Um, and some people might say that's two-faced. You know, you're showing just the good and not the bad. But I feel like why bring that out if it doesn't need to be brought out? My posts are typically pretty strategic anyways. I have a reason for every post I put out there. I'm not trying to put out fluff. So if I can help, push the bar forward, then I feel like it's my job to do that at this point in my career. For me, like I said, I'm still, I'm probably going to go with the, the concept of uh, short term and uh, posting, you know, events, maybe just, you know, stills of the event, you know, not of a dance floor. Um, 
with the other types of, uh, you know, club gigs, I mean, I, I may not post about them at all in the short term. I almost feel like this is like fool's gold in a sense. Like this is just a little, uh, hey, here's a little taste. But then at some point, this could get all get shut down at any time, especially as these cases continue to rise. It reminded me of the conversation we had on Thursday uh, with this group I'm in. And someone mentioned that if you're a history buff, you, you can kind of think back to prohibition, right? When prohibition came into play, the whole thought behind you know, prohibition, which was also known as the noble experiment, it all came about because they were trying to reduce crime and corruption and solve all these social problems that were happening and reduce the tax burden and improve you know, the health and hygiene. But you know how long prohibition lasted? This was interesting to me to know. 13 okay. years. So it okay. started in 1920 and 1933. And obviously it failed. But I say all this to say that eventually we got back to alcohol being allowed in, in, in establishments and all those things. So to try to put a positive spin on all this, it's going to come back eventually. It will all, all those things eventually will come back. It may be a different version of it at some point, but those things eventually come full circle at some point. Well, I'd love to hear your opinions on this. If you guys can comment back, if you have some thoughts, I'd love to continue this discussion. I think that this is going to evolve as this virus evolves and, and we keep going through this. I think we may have a part two or something on this soon but uh dave thanks for joining me on this if uh you like what you're hearing and you'd like to leave a review that really does help the algorithms for us just go on the apple podcast app and do that if you are on android device we are on stitcher so you can find us there and then of course we're on spotify as well as uh apple music so thanks for listening to us and we hope we provide a little bit of thought-provoking content for you today and talk to you soon bye